Hi everyone, welcome to this new episode of You Gotta Act, a podcast about actors and acting. Today I have a guest that is very special for many reasons. First of all, we share a birthday, which is the 29th of January, which was very soon, not too long ago. And also we realized that two days ago, two days ago, as we speak. And um, we also realized that this is probably the explanation why we are both crazy fans of Brian De Palma. And that guest is Julian Palmer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hi, Julian. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for talking to me on uh, to celebrate our births and to celebrate Brian mm -hmm. De Palma. Um, I also found out that um, the film we are going to talk about today, because we are talking about one film today, which is my favorite film, which is the film that gives its name to this podcast, and it's Body Double. Uh, I also found out when I was doing some research yesterday that Body Double started shooting on the 30th of January 1984. So that means one day after our birthday, which is the 29th of January. And so everything right. just fits together. So was it... Okay. 84. <laughs> Apparently, yeah, so... that's why I was surprised because it's like it came out in 84. So yeah. maybe they were really quick. Or maybe it was the year that's before. Not, it's not too far away from when I was born, so I don't want to... <laughs> say when that was because i like to be um mysterious yeah, secretive about my age <laughs> fair enough <laughs> but, but it was close it's not too far away fair um, enough. in the same decade at least right um for me it was yeah uh nine years later right so yeah um, um so lucky for you lucky for me um <laughs> so um before we get to talk about the film uh as always can you please uh, i always ask my guests to introduce themselves a little bit can you yep. tell us how you got to where you're at and also how we know each other right um so where where am i at um <laughs> i run a uh well both a kind of production company in london um but the reason that myself and manuela met is because i run a video essay channel called the discarded image um and yeah manuel has been um working with me on some videos some that kind of i've been uh voicing and she's coming as a as a writing partner and then some videos that she's um kind of written yeah more solely by herself and then done the voice for and yeah something on my channel that i've never really explored although i've been interested obviously is the kind of art of performance but i don't have the same like my kind of focus is on directors usually mm. um so yeah it's been interesting to um yeah collaborate with someone that uh has more of an expertise in that area and it helps me kind of think about actors um in a way perhaps deeper than i had before um you're welcome which is helpful yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i yeah, think we which... started i think the first video we made was like in april 2020 or something so it's yeah, not even a... it's not been a year yet it feels like no yeah it feels like longer though in a good way yeah well <laughs> time right now feels both long and short in a way true um, so true i can't believe it's been almost a year that we've kind of been in this situation but yeah it's mad so it feels like because i was thinking earlier when i was walking that did something in the summer 
Um, and that didn't seem like it was the summer. It seemed like it was like two years ago. But mm. anyway. And how did you get to start your own company? And how did you get to start your YouTube channel? The company, I just did out of necessity, really. Like, mm -hmm. um, like I, I've always wanted to be involved in, in filmmaking. And I've been kind of doing that, you know, kind of making shorts and, and music videos and that kind of thing over the years. Did you um, study film or did you study something Yeah, I studied, I studied film at, at degree level, yeah. Mm. Um, actually, in... in um, in a, yeah how it fits in with this conversation is i did my final year dissertation on brian de palma <laughs> so coming together um yeah i did like um from what i can recall it was mostly about his um it kind of started out talking about his what i thought it was two core influences mm -hmm. and then um talking about him in in isolation so i was kind of comparing him with hitchcock and godard right and just kind of yeah discussing how those two influences kind of merge together and how he's the, the result the, the, the son of that mm -hmm. kind of collaboration i might have mentioned antonioni as well um because nice. i know that's a that's a big one too mm -hmm. um so just i didn't really answer the question i don't think <laughs> so in terms okay. of like the production company it was part besides doing filmmaking stuff which i kind of see as separate like um the production company was just kind of born out of necessity of not wanting to work a normal job um and just trying to find production work um and then eventually getting a kind of production partner to to help me out and the video essays uh i think one of the annoying things about the video essays is i um i wrote what was essentially my first video essay about the um beach sequence in jaws but i think i did it even before like the video essay craze or no before not the craze but before it like i think like every frame of painting is the the one that everyone kind of talks about being the um the i don't know the, the one that really kind of exploded yeah the, the the medium um but i was already kind of looking at um other people that were doing it before that like matt zola sites was doing kind of series of um of video essays i think he did one on wes anderson and michael mann and some other ones oh, okay. and yeah, i think i yeah i i never kind of I, I was kind of into like the kind of blogging film scene mm -hmm. but i was never felt that um i was that great at kind of writing about film like in isolation mm -hmm. hence why i um <laughs> collaborate with people like yourself <laughs> um it was only yeah when the kind of video uh element came into it that um it made more sense so i had like an original series on the uh, movie brats um spielberg de palma uh yeah, scorsese coppola and george lucas even though i'm not a huge george lucas fan mm -hmm. um and then yeah moved it over to youtube and started doing it kind of more regularly and you know started getting some sponsors and then um having it be more than just a kind of hobby and you know uh, it became like another kind of source of employment i guess which is what it is mm -hmm. kind of more now i've relied on it more especially in the last year because there hasn't been any production work um in london sure. so I, yeah i've been focusing mostly on the channel and, and collaborating with you throughout last year mm -hmm. right makes sense cool uh yeah i feel like you know ever, even written publications now all pivoting to video 
and mm. so yeah it's it's cool that you were kind of ahead of the curve in a way um i wouldn't say that <laughs> <laughs> well i would i mean from what you say it sounds like um but yeah yeah and you I'm, have like i'm not a sure bit of I, I know that i had the idea for the for the first one i don't yeah. know if it was before every fair and painting but it was it was definitely a long time before i actually put it up there and that was right at least like um five six years ago so wow long cool. time yeah well it's cool look look where you are now <laughs> yeah and <laughs> I, mean, I don't know where i am <laughs> yeah so we um when i asked you to be on the podcast you suggested doing an episode on uh body double for all those reasons mm -hmm. i explained before which is you know we both love the palma also we realized we were born the same day uh not mm -hmm. same year but same day and and also because my podcast i wish is called... i was born the same year <laughs> let's say you were it's fine um yeah. <laughs> and also yeah we um the podcast is called you gotta act after a scene in uh, body double so mm -hmm. um i caught when... that when you did it you got that when you... yeah mm -hmm, yeah nice one <laughs> i think most people are just like oh it's just a sentence but yeah I appreciate mm -hmm. um so when did you first discover body double if you remember? um i've got no idea really um because the department fixation became very intense when i was about it, university was when it was most intense so that was like 1920 but um but i remember that i saw mission impossible when it came out um, as a child and that i loved that and then i saw snake eyes when i was in the states um and couldn't understand why everyone thought it was it got really badly reviewed and i just couldn't understand it because i just was so enraptured by it um but body double yeah i i, I know like i remember because at my um university they obviously had had like a kind of room where they had loads of little tvs mm -hmm. i had the um, same and like headphones yeah and i distinctly remember i'm not sure about body double but i definitely remember watching dress the kill in that place and just be like oh god there's so much sex and <laughs> mostly the sex like there's so much sex in this film like every scene i'm sitting here like feeling quite yeah embarrassed but i think it was the first time i watched dress to kill so i was also like immersed but also a little bit yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit wary that i was just <laughs> They thought I was watching pornography in school. <laughs> Feeling like a warrior because of the power. Yeah. That's the whole point. Yeah. I think so, I... So I think, yeah, a lot of the... I basically... I don't know which ones I watched first or what have you, but it was, definitely became a De Palma completist in that era. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. I think I... I mean, I know I saw the body double the first time at a screening in London, uh, okay. organized by Little White Lies and like mm -hmm. it was like you could go for free maybe I can't remember I went and it was when I had just started writing film criticism I think or maybe yeah. even before that I don't know like maybe a few months before or something and um, and I just was floored by it like completely amazed and just couldn't believe that a film like that had existed all this time and I didn't know about it um, and yeah ever since it's you know, and I don't usually like to say, you know, I have a favorite film, but if I have to answer, I don't see mm -hmm. why I wouldn't say Body Double because it's just got everything I like, you know. Now it sounds like I'm saying I like porn or whatever. That's not what I'm saying <laughs> because this film is very sexy, obviously. Yeah, that was one of the questions I had, like, <laughs> just it's, <laughs> it seems like it's, you know, such from the kind of male voyeur's perspective. Mm. Um, I, I do kind of wonder, like, yeah. Yeah. What kind of, what yeah. about the film? um you love so much 
I think for me, it's um, in a way, it's the fact that it is about you know uh, male fantasies, and it's shot from the point of view of the male character, the main character played by Craig Wasson. So let's set up the scene a bit. So the film is about this uh, actor played by Craig Wasson yeah. called Jake Scully, who one day is on the set. Uh, of a horror film, vampire film that seems a bit pornographic as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's working, but he's not doing big stuff. And one day on set, he has a crisis, like a moment of claustrophobia. And he goes home feeling terrible. And he goes to see his girlfriend and she's cheating on him with some guy. So basically on the same day, he loses his job and he loses his girl, feels terrible. And somehow he meets someone who tells him, you can stay in this house. Uh, you can house sit this house because he needs a place to stay. And it's a ma an amazing, f weird apartment overlooking Los Angeles. And there's a little treat as well, which is that if he looks through the telescope to the windows of the neighbor over on the hill, he can see this woman every night uh, strip tease for herself, masturbate, but it's like masturbation in the movie way. So it's like, she's dancing mm -hmm. around. Like, I mean, I don't know why she would do that. Too. Anyway, there's another question. And one day as he's watching that, he sees her get attacked. He gets involved in following a, a man who is following this woman around and he wants to protect her. And also he's attracted to her and then tragedy strikes. She dies. He can't save her. He tries. He feels mm -hmm. terrible. He investigates. He finds out that there was a, body double <laughs> hired you know big spoiler in the title and he unravels the mystery so mm -hmm. the thing is that it's a brian de palma movie it's from a brian de palma idea that he had when uh he was casting a body double for dress to kill apparently so for the shower yeah. scene in dress to kill there's this woman showering and masturbating in her dream i think it's a dream and he had it's to yeah, he had to cast a, a body double for that because he didn't want the main actress to, you know, get cold or whatever in the shower when it's not necessary. And also because he wanted a perfect body. Like, I, I, I read this book, I'm reading this book on body double, on the making of body double called Double De Palma by Susan Dworkin. It's, a, it's been given to me by someone, a friend. And it explains that, yeah, like, De Palma is actually very kind to his actors. He, he was like, I don't want to get the actress naked in the shower if she doesn't need to i'm gonna get a body double and also i work in movies movies are fantasy i feel like he says i feel like if i present a non-perfect body naked body to the audience they'd be like are you kidding me <laughs> which is you know yeah i see what he means it's problematic whatever but i see what he means and so basically long answer but i feel like the palma works in fantasy and illusion and and yeah fantasy so when i watch body double it's a male fantasy of this, um, you know, quiet, shy actor man following this woman around who's gorgeous. And it's all shot through uh, his perspective, from his perspective. But the thing is, that I think De Palma is completely aware and makes you aware of that, you know, inherent voyeurism in this approach. Like the fact that you idealize, you see women as objects, you, you know, you, you don't see them for what you know as human beings completely all the time and and i think that's fascinating and i think he imbues it with so much humor that to me it feels like a more honest way to make a film than you know a male director who's like oh no no uh you know like subtly su subtly putting some 
sexy female stuff in his films. Like, if you want to do it, might as well go for it and right. make it clear to the audience that this is because your character is a man living in Los Angeles surrounded by male fantasies and that's how he perceives the world. You know what I mean? So for me, it feels like honest yeah. filmmaking in a way. Well, as I said um, in the introduction that I did, um, my dissertation on on the combination of Hitchcock and Godard, uh, this really seems like the most, of all his films, the most kind of flagrant um, combination of those because it's the most self-aware of mm. all his films, I believe, because it's set in um, LA, it's about obviously an actor and about kind of filmmaking um and it's also somewhat about i guess both the kind of artificiality and the kind of construct of, of filmmaking itself but also in tandem with um with la itself mm. because la is is i guess it's the, the stereotype is it's kind of full of um i don't know superficial people yeah <laughs> um and full uh, of actors as well just you know just yeah people act, trying actors, to pe pe people that are kind of playing pretend for life people that are creating different personas for a living so that's gonna with it create some kind of i don't know um not necessarily genuine atmosphere i guess yeah um because even like just from the one of the very first shots in the films is it when it cuts to the title of body double it has the um, the backdrop of what's a kind of fake studio mm -hmm. kind of ba uh, backdrop that you would have in, I don't know, like in an old kind of Hitchcock film when you used to do a lot of kind of back project or whatever back projection work. Um, yeah. That, that really, that, but it kind of tricks the audience slightly because they would assume it's a real background, but then it kind of moves um, past shot and you realize it's, yeah, a cons yeah it's, it's being moved down a set, which just kind of, establishes straight away that yeah that we're kind of toying with perceptions of real and fake mm. um 100%. And, yeah i like i i feel like uh i mean maybe this is not an original idea but i really love films that make you aware that it's a film but not in a yeah. pretentious way just in the sense of you know we know you're watching essentially that's what they're saying we know you're watching you know you're watching something let's make you aware of that and and obviously to set that film in LA, originally when the Palma had the idea, it was meant to be New York, which yeah. to me is like nonsensical now, <laughs> but obviously it's easy to say now. And yeah. yeah, I really like when films make you aware of that because it's a different way to engage a spectator. It's a, it's kind of a, again, I find it kind of honest and not that films that don't do that are not honest, but it's, it's just, um, yeah, it's a way to engage you differently. And also I think to make you more, susceptible to surprises and suspense because even as you're aware you're watching a film you still get engrossed in it like you still get your sus suspension of disbelief mm. because it is a it is a thriller it is a mystery film you don't know what's happening there's a lot of stuff hidden so it's like you're you're constantly on this double level where like you know you're like ah oh, this is a silly film and also the palma is being really cheeky the whole time like even with the backdrop like you were saying it's, cheeky. it's funny it's cheeky <laughs> yeah but at the same time it's it's just expertly made and that's the hitchcock yeah. aspect i guess when i did um my video essay on on godard a kind of a while back like one of the things that i was trying to explain was the way he kind of builds yeah kind of 
self-consciousness into performances um i was talking about um anna karina mm-hmm. and um there's a number of performances there's one in um a woman as a woman that kind of musically did um that she is like through the performance she's like saying something like oh shit like i don't know what like i messed that up or mm. she kind of breaks in in the take and he leaves it in or there's a shot where in uh vivre say v i can't speak french <laughs> <laughs> vivre, <c'est> vie. <laughs> yeah you're trying where like she's there's a shot of her walking um but like the shot starts before a normal director would um mm-hmm. start it like it he's using film where the actor looks like they're kind of getting ready to walk right so it's not natural um and that's something yeah that he would do in a number of films um and i kind of felt it was because yeah kind of in relation to what you're saying about it kind of being more honest um i think for him because he can't god not de palma um because he can't make a film without feeling self-conscious about the kind of artifice that goes into it he has to kind of bring that element into it otherwise for him it feels yeah he he's not going to make a kind of super naturalistic um you know john cassavetti style film because he's just too aware of um yeah yeah which i think is something that the palmer definitely kind of brings in his films yeah he simultaneously wants the audience to be carried along and get sucked into the journey but he also can't help but make the audience aware of certain Mm. yeah the construct of the filmmaking itself totally and uh and i think what helps you know um have this double level of like you're aware but at the same time you get sucked in i think it's the performances themselves because they kind of i feel like the modes of performance kind of switch depending on the character but also depending on the scene and i think the craig wasson character so the main character jay scully He's a, I think he's perfectly cast, not only because he looks like a regular guy, you know, it's kind of the anti-hero thing of, you know, Jimmy Stewart, if you want, but not as uh, every man, because he's a, yeah, you know, he, he's he an actor. He said that Jimmy Stewart was definitely the kind of reference that De Palma was uh, telling him. Yeah, makes total yeah. sense. But like, he's, the, he's kind of the LA version, LA actor version of that. You know, he's blue-eyed, blonde, nice looking, kind of handsome, but also like he's got a vulnerability to him. And I think what helps, you know, carry along the film and not make you laugh at it the whole time is that he plays it totally straight. Like he plays it with emotional uh, truth and honesty. Yeah. And there's this moment when after uh, Gloria, so that's the character played by Deborah Shelton, the woman he follows around after she's been murdered. Yeah. There's the um, there's the moment when he gets uh, Jake gets interrogated by a very skeptical policeman who's like, "You were following this woman around. Like clearly, you killed her." And Jake is, you know, obviously and you're shocked. Walking around with your the, her underwear and your, your yeah, <laughs> and she's got he's he's got like an old underwear in his pocket, and obviously the policeman yeah. sees that, which is you know very lucky. And Jake feels terrible because not only is he terribly shocked, I'm guessing, because he just saw a woman get. I mean, he didn't see her, but like he saw a drill, a bloody drill, come out of the ceiling because a woman was yeah. getting grilled upstairs. I mean, anyway, um, so he's shocked and obviously he's outraged that the policeman could think he did that. And after the scene, when after the policeman is done talking to him, he cries. And, you know, it it could be funny because like, 
yeah, he looks like an idiot, but also he's crying. And I find he's crying extremely moving. <laughs> like when I watch yeah. Craig Wesson crying in this moment, because it's not like, you know, it's not exaggerated crying. It feels very honest. He just feels terrible and he's just kind of quietly crying. And that to me, that encapsulates his the choices of performance that De Palma made for this film, where he was like, you know, I don't want you to goof around. I want you to be just, you know, a real person, Jake Scully, a normal dude thrown in a horrible situation and a very tricky one. And that carries the film along. Obviously, like throughout the film, you still laugh at him sometimes because, yeah. I mean, he's following this woman around and taking her clothes, like taking her panties from the bin. But yeah, there's just a sense of like, you do feel for him. Yeah, I think I was watching um, the extra features because I just rewatched them um, Raising Kane um, the other night. Mm -hmm. And John Lithgow was talking about how, um, you know, there's certain scenes where he thinks like he's, you know, doing something really kind of, um, you know, empathetically. He's kind of bringing a lot of emotion. You know, he's, he's kind of putting everything into it only to then he'll go watch it in the cinema and realize that De Palma's used it as a, you know, for a joke like he's just oh <laughs> everyone's just laughing is like at what he's doing um yeah. and i think just yeah in terms of performance like acting in these types of films i think you do have to approach it um i mean i'm not an actor but i would assume you have to approach it sincerely and and, and can't like have i mean i mean some actors i imagine you know play roles with a bit of a kind of um with a bit of ham and in a bit of kind of a wink in their their, mm. their their eyes they're doing it but but i think yeah it kind of works a lot better in this instance because he's yeah he's just it was funny because I, I also watched the kind of interview with with craig um watson uh around the time of body double and he was talking about the violence and he was kind of talking about it um almost as if it was i'm not sure like it was some kind of film that was portraying violence in a very realistic um, oh, right. <laughs> way that I was see. kind of commenting on the brutality and just uh, <laughs> 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 the the drill going beneath like down the guy's leg <laughs> 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 looking like it's meant to be like so obviously phallic <laughs> um, yeah i know yeah yeah that's, that's funny yeah i mean i feel like because De Palma plays with tonality and like tone in a very complex way like it kind of switches around even when i watched carrie again the other day you know it, you're always in between you're you're horrified you're laughing you find it so overblown you know the spinny yeah. camera like it's i mean it's beautiful but also it's ridiculous it's completely breaking away from realism if you want i think because of that complex tone it's kind of it must be hard for anyone working on the film to really know how it's gonna come out you know what it's gonna look like once you watch it but yeah like what do you think if um like if he would have got someone because another thing that i kind of think of is about um the fact that i don't know how it would have been then but certainly now craig watson's hardly been an actor that we've seen a lot of since um mm -hmm. in fact this is really like you know he's been in um the nightmare on elm street three and a film called ghost story around the same era but the film that everyone's going to remember him for is is body double i think mm. um but how do you think it would change if it, if it was an actor that i don't know that was kind of more recognizable or that we had more of a mm. a sense of i mean apparently when 
you know, the team, the producers and the Parma were planning the film, they consciously decided that it wouldn't be, you know, a big star, not even like, you know, John Travolta, like someone big, it wouldn't be yeah. that. It would be someone like pleasant and that someone could emphasize, emphasize with, but not someone famous. And, and it's, it's funny in that book I was mentioning, they, they say, I think the producer or someone says, no, no, we, from the start, we're like, people are not going to come see this for the stars, for the actors. They're going to come, it, come to see it because it's a Brian De Palma film. And I see what they meant, but obviously uh, the film didn't do incredible at the box office really when it came out. Um, and that's, you know, I'm wondering, yeah, it's a good question. Would people have appreciated it more at the time if it had a big star? But I think, I think it wouldn't be credible if you had yeah. a massive star playing a struggling actor, Yeah. you know, in that way, because, and also I think it's because Craig Wesson is extremely good at what he's doing, you know, at playing the vulnerability. And I, I get the feeling watching him that he was completely up for anything. Like he was really willing to look weak and and meek and miserable and and lame essentially and i don't know if yeah. you had gotten a big, big actor if they had been if they would have been okay to play this because i'm guessing the idea was oh if i do this film everybody will see me as a loser and right. and that's a shame obviously because i think you know actors should play all kinds of characters and people but i think it works really well yeah, I find it strange when actors won't take on parts because there's something about the character that they that mm. they think presents them in a you know un, unfair light or something. Um, yeah, because like yeah, even I, if you think of John Travolta, like in in Carrie, he's a horrible guy. I mean, he's he's mm. kind of funny, but he's not good. Uh, in, in even in Blowout, he's kind of a loser. But then you know that didn't that didn't really stop him. He he not did a loser. Have, I mean, like he he loses. <laughs> yeah, he, definitely, like, he does lose. Yeah. yeah, but he's not a loser in the same sense. But like he's not, you know, he's not like a typical strong action man. You know, he's he's yeah. a sound guy. <laughs> so there's a there's a different level to it. And I yeah, I do feel like there's a lot of um, there seems to be a tendency towards like anxiety for actors, like not wanting to play you know, very vulnerable people. And that's a shame. Yeah. Um, cause even I was listening to, I forgot what it's called now. I was just going to have a look, but, um, I was listening to, he was on a podcast literally this month. Um, Craig Watson, it was a mm. two part podcast, um, with some look up Craig Watson podcast. There's not, there's yeah. not <laughs> going fun. around this. There's definitely one from this month, but one thing I found, um, yeah kind of illuminating is apparently the reason that he hasn't really had much of a visible career um in in kind of major film works in since body double really or in the 90s and, and especially in more recent times because he met a girl um on body double that he kind of fell madly in love with i, I believe and um like just seemed to want to spend they were kind of traveling around america and he just was kind of yeah he was he said that he was um happy and doesn't regret just that he spent he kind of dedicated you know the, the best part of the rest of his life really just to oh, wow. traveling around with this woman and there just seemed something like um so romantic about it that just that just ties in well with the character totally. um, even though it's the, the kind of weird thing in body double is there's a kind of the romanticism 
contrasted with the um the sexual aspects which makes it a bit difficult but you can see how um yeah because the character you know his life gets torn apart because his you know girlfriend at the beginning is cheating on him which i swear that scene is like paul thomas anderson borrowed when william h macy yes uh, 100% and they're kind of they're kind of similar characters as well like yeah. similar types of, of of characters um totally that's brilliant i mean i'm yeah. happy for him i was worried a bit yeah. like what happened did he get typecast did he just not get stuff but then yeah if he just um you know lives his life i think he also did some audiobooks yeah stuff like that and also he was a musician at the time and he was like gigging around la and i think sometimes he would when he would be in a film or something he would provide a song or whatever so like he seems to be a multi-affinate guy and doing a lot of different things so yeah yeah apparently he wrote a song for body double but it was... oh wow and the palmer liked it and wanted to use it but then they had a contract with um frankie goes to hollywood so they chose that instead which oh wow feels like the right choice because that is such an amazing sequence it is an amazing oh wow <laughs> that could have been so different yeah no <laughs> yeah, that, no. that is like <laughs> i do not uh yeah i think that was a good choice it's so so brilliant that sequence yeah and again that's another moment where the this is craig wasson acting as jay scully jake scully yeah. and jake scully acting in a porn film but also later acting as someone is not who's like a porn producer so mm -hmm. there's a lot of levels to it and um again this is why i like this film because it is literally about acting you know in obvious ways and in less obvious ways and i think it's extremely convincing in the in the porn scene uh relax sequence which is you know embedded in the film and at first you don't really know what's going on I think he's really like he's typecast. He's, he's a guy with glasses and a, a jumper yeah. in a club, like whatever. Um, but I think he's, you know, he's giving it everything he has. And this is perhaps the moment where he's a bit goofy and he's a bit exaggerating. But you understand, you know, it's he, he's playing a type in a in a porn film, so I guess that's what it calls for. Yeah. But even there, like, there's some some truth that comes out. I think, and he's really he's really nice to look at. He's really funny as well. Yeah, he goes from playing yeah the kind of dorky guy who's yeah um kind of out of his element in a sex romp or wherever it's supposed to be <laughs> and then like straight afterwards um once he uh fornicates with the with the porn star he then the next time you see him he's got the slick back hair <laughs> and he's trying to be trying to put on the you know the guise of a of a kind of porn producer so and funny kind of pulling it off but <laughs> um, yeah it's like you can tell it's kind of amusing yeah even even holly body played by melanie griffith is not mm. fully convinced but you know he's he's saying nice things and he's saying good stuff about you know how he wants her to work in his films but i think the the cut from like the porn film scene to him entering her the backstage dressed as a porn producer is like so yeah. funny because it's him like walking into the room and <laughs> dressed like horribly <laughs> and just saying hey how are you and whatever it's like so so unconvincing it's kind of terrible acting but at the same time again it's like this double thing of like sometimes people in life are like that you know producers mm -hmm. can be like that they can be like fake and why not like she believes that he could be a producer because he's not convincing in a way i think yeah because another thing that i was um thinking about is as i was kind of saying that um yeah when watson was uh interviewed he seemed quite sincere about the project i think because you know just for him De Palma was a big director in the 80s he just you know 
he was probably seen in a similar um way to like you know scorsese and spielberg so he's a big name director so i'm sure he just like was kind of over the moon that he was getting the starring role in the the latest brian de palma film mm-hmm. um so he was kind of you know attacking it with all the sincerity that you should um you know do that kind of part but it's interesting that when you listen listen to the the features on the um on the blu-ray um that when is it greg henry that, that plays the other guy mm-hmm. Sam um, Bashard. one that kind of sets him up um yeah when he talks about it he just he's got a certain kind of persona that he's like very self-aware of what De Palma's doing and the you know the kind of tongue-in-cheek aspects and the yeah mm. the, the, the he's seems much more cognizant of all the kind of layers of what De Palma's doing the kind of sincerity right. and the kind of more um yeah self-conscious elements of it um That's and he was also that he was um he's like one of the major De Palma regulars he's in um Casualties of War he's in Scarface he's in Raising Cain, Femme Fatale. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's kind of like Dennis Franz as well, who's also in, in, in Body Double, but is also in a lot of department films. They kind of play that, um, yeah, more kind of self-aware kind of characters that provide the comedy, but seem very aware that they're doing that. It's not, the comedy's not coming from them mm-hmm. acting sincerely and being put in a ridiculous situation or something seeming ridiculous. It's yeah. they're kind of more knowing about it. But it's also interesting that, that in terms of the, the way the actors are used that that greg henry that's his name right is it greg henry yeah greg henry yeah that that he is like the one that's kind of manipulating the the character so you know the same way that he's aware of the of all the dimensions that the palm was working with as much as an actor can um but he's also the person that's like you know manipulating yeah. the hero and there's even like kind of certain moments like there's that shot when they're in the bar together where he kind of looks directly into the lens Mm -hmm. throughout the film just yeah you're kind of very aware that he's that he's aware of what he's kind of doing throughout yeah that's super interesting actually yeah the the level the actor's understanding of the film itself is telling because i think you know it's understandable that craig wasson would see the film as like you know from a very sincere point of view because that's what he needed when he was acting yeah and in that book, again, there's uh, Deborah Shelton who plays Gloria, the, the victim. And for her, that film was a massive deal because she had only done TV before. And, you know, on TV, she always played the girl. Like she was just a beautiful woman there, you know, on some cop shows or whatever. And for her, that was her opportunity to do something else. But obviously, even here, she plays the girl. Like she's just a, yeah. some beautiful lady. But she, but took she also her role... has those strange line, like the way that line readings are recorded. Like, yes. they're very... It's like dubbed or something, it feels. Yeah, like, she there's sounds... definitely something, yeah, odd happening there that it, yeah. Yeah, it's like... It's very artificial. But at the same time, I find that even though she's just a girl, she has moments where she has to be extremely vulnerable and it's not, you know, she's not just a sex object. I mean, that's her main function in the story. But she <laughs> <laughs> clearly, I mean, let's not beat around the bush, but... Then she has those moments, you know, when she's upset on the phone, when she's, even when she's like talking to him, finally, she's a bit, you know, it's a bit awkward. She gets to do some well, stuff. Also the kind of, sorry, just the sex object thing, the fact that um, we're allowed to spoil the film, aren't we? Are we talking yeah, about I mean, it? yeah. Yeah. The That's fact it. that she's, 
it's not her that's that because we talked earlier about how there's the kind of romantic part of it if you want to kind of split those two things up in a in a in mm-hmm. a man's mind you have the romantic aspect and then you have the sexual aspect the Palmer's kind of purposely kind of severing those two things already because the person that's dancing is not is not her so he's kind of being sexually attracted to someone else um, holly body mm-hmm. and then yeah romantically attached to to her i guess if you want to be super yeah i mean and that's what it. we see in the you know when he's um doing the porn film and you know the camera does the spinny thing again the image changes to when he was on the beach with uh, gloria so in that in his mind it's like he's got a hard time separating the two and again i think that's i guess that's one reason why you know as a woman <laughs> whatever i like the film too because it it does this this sort of arbitrary division between romantic and sexual feelings kind of allows the palma to not be just sexual and also to explain that you know there there is sometimes stuff beyond just sexual attraction like it's not it's yeah. not limited to that it's not saying it's not like Hitchcock being like oh you know women just have to be looked at and you know I don't want her to do any acting I just want her to stand there and look gorgeous and you know he's not really doing that he's kind of implying that there's more there um and actually I'm not really surprised that you as as a woman like the film because I watched it with um with Alice uh, my partner and even though she's always seems quite resistant to watch Brian De Palma films she did really enjoy it I think she saw it years back Right. But I guess it was the fact that it's your favorite film is what <laughs> I found a bit strange because, it, you know, he got, he got like, um, he was already getting quite a lot of accusations from Dress to Kill about the kind of misogyny. And then for Body Devil, he really kind of doubles down. So yeah. that, that was that was the thing that just I, I found interesting. Um, it is interesting. And I, I know that um, I think when the film was announced that it was going, going to be made, when they announced yeah. they were going to make it, he talked in some interviews and he said, you know, outrageous things on purpose. He was like, oh, everybody wanted to put an X rating on Scarface. Well, wait until they see Body Double is going to be the most yeah, yeah. sexual, the most violent thing I've ever done. And, you know, when you watch the film, it, it, I find Scarface harder to watch. I mean, the guy getting cut up in the bathroom, to me, that's just unbearable, but whatever. Yeah, um, yeah I think... It's probably I, unbearable for him as well. <laughs> <laughs> Some would think, yeah, I, I'm guessing. Um, but I don't know, for me, it's the, um, the it said something really interesting in that book again. I keep referring to it, but it's, it's a good read. I'll, I'll lend it to you when I'm done. Um, yeah, I think I have the Bonfire of the Vanities one as well, so we can do a trade. Perfect. Um, and in the book, it says that, um, you know, if the Palmer was solely interested in women as, you know, sexual objects, as a person and as a director, then why would he... You know, throughout the film, you see, you know, beautiful women or, you know, porn actresses around and the camera is not focusing on them. So, for instance, when uh, Jake goes to audition <laughs> for the porn yeah. film and he has to just like say two lines and that's it and he gets a job. Apparently in the script, he just said, well, he goes to the office, he talks to the guy, gets a job. What it didn't say is that when he's in the office, in the background, you see three different movie sets for porn films that are set up in the same big building right. and you hear, you know, uh, sex noises and you see beautiful women around and you see naked bodies all the time. And that's not the focus. So that's the Palma himself being aware that people think that about him and making a joke out of it. Because, you know, if he really cared about this stuff, he wouldn't 
have it casually in the background. And I think that there's right. some truth to that. I think that's why I like the the film and I don't find it misogynistic is because there's a self-awareness and there's an irony and the fact that, you know, at first Jake is staring at this woman and then it becomes like this, this he gets really involved and not just because she's a beautiful woman but because she's a woman in danger. It's that that kind of proves the point that it's not just about sex. And actually, yeah. I remember now when um, when Jake is in the acting class, uh, where the actor tells him, "You've, You've got, got to, to act." act. Um, when he's in the acting class, there's a board where it says, "Feel, personalize." Yeah, act. I was going to ask you about that because obviously, um, I haven't been to any acting classes, <laughs> so I, I, that was one of my notes. Is like, what do these three things? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I can kind of get it, but um, yeah, and it's not complex. But I feel like those three words, feel, personalized, act, are what yeah. the film itself does, which is you know, Jake at first feels attracted to her, and then yeah. he personalizes her, like she becomes a person to him, and then he has to act, and he tries and he fails yeah. until he does. You know, like to me, that's the whole point. And from a spectator's point of view, it's it's very interesting because that's what you do as well. You know, you at first you just watch, you're laughing at this guy. Then you kind of feel for him, and then yeah, you. I mean, you don't act because you're just watching, but you act in the sense of you react. I guess you you feel something, yeah. and you feel empathy, and you feel extremely entertained. And I I like the. I think that's why I like the film the most is because it's it's it explores all these different aspects of experience, of perception, of cinema itself, you know, and of acting. Well, he's also clearly emasculated as well. Like yeah, <laughs> like he's clearly coming from a place where he's you know yeah his girlfriend's cheating on him he's being like humiliated in this acting class so he's the palmer's being very self-aware about that you know this guy yeah is just in a very kind of emasculated space and this this both this kind of like obsession both sexual and romantic and then him you know trying to be the hero um is is very much yeah him trying to gain some kind of stature back i think mm -hmm. um it's also interesting because like obviously it's a film that's very concerned with the male gaze and was it laura mulvey who wrote one of the original texts yep. on the male gaze i believe so and yeah. she kind of famously talked about vertigo but perhaps um possibly you know was a little bit kind of simplistic about kind of even what Hitchcock was doing there in terms of the kind of gaze um, and the kind of point of view, uh, because that's another, again, like the, the thing that connects both Jake Scully and Scotty from Vertigo is they're both emasculated because mm -hmm. yeah, Jake has the claustrophobia and Scotty has the, well, the Vertigo of the title. <laughs> um, the difference between Hitchcock and De Palma is that if there's, because films like Rear Window, Psycho, Vertigo, um, and particularly in Body Double, the two films, like when I tried to like persuade people to watch the film, I said it's it's you know it's basically Rear Window plus Vertigo uh, with porn and drills. <laughs> so, <laughs> what what um, more do you need exactly? Yeah, but Hitchcock, um, he never like you don't get the sense that he approaches films with any of the kind of self-awareness that that um mm -hmm. the palmer does like there's that um famous book of his with uh Truffaut and yeah just he never really gets into anything um 
super academic or, or anything like that in, in his in his work um he just he's just trying to uh create suspense and create drama but you know even films like rear window that is that you would think have such a obvious kind of meta textual like when Truffaut originally saw it and because when rear window came out it wasn't uh, a huge um like critics you know famously the french new wave mm -hmm. lot they elevated hitchcock and and gave him the kind of auteur status that he wasn't getting by the critics at the time mm -hmm. but obviously you know Truffaut watched rear window and he would be very aware that this is a film about filmmaking about about kind of voyeurism and point of view and what have you and but Hitchcock isn't so aware of that mm. perhaps um you know as consciously as as De Palma is yeah um but one of the things that I kind of that I kind of mentioned to you before this that I found kind of funny was the most kind of absurdly Hitchcockian moment in the film is when he has the embrace outside the tunnel and he does the classic um kind of revolving around um kiss camera, and so with the back projection with the fake background and that that itself doing that technique in an eight in, in, in that kind of context is already kind of ridiculous mm -hmm. because it's just people aren't people use it a bit in kind of car scenes but no one's using it um yeah in such an obvious way yeah and that's one of the, i was i, I kind of have come to terms with it more but one of the things that always kind of bugged me about hitchcock was that he used so much back projection mm. um but it, i would guess that the palmer is using it for a, a, a self-conscious reason right um but he was like surprised that the audience were taken out of the scene and they were laughing at that moment because not only is that just the the just the back projection aspect of it kind of really kind of brings you out of it but it's the fact that it's not just the classic hitchcock swirling you know like the Cary Grant Eva Marie Saint scene in North by Northwest or there's one in Notorious as well um but it's the fact that he's like groping her like outside the tunnel and they've only just like they've, <laughs> they've, so they've, no, they've met for like two seconds and like he's yeah he's, he's so kissing and and groping her at the same time and it's just like how could you not think that that, that is, that that is ludicrous funny. yeah and I, I love that um you know they're like swirling around sometimes he's behind her sometimes they're embracing and like face to face and at some point she turns around and she's like yes and that's what she says yeah. and it's like who was like then okay, she goes, she's like yes, yes. uh yeah. no like, <laughs> and she's like no i can't not not like this <laughs> and then she runs away and like yeah i don't i don't get it but when i i can't have sex in the in the open on this beach <laughs> like, oh yeah right you now. can't really um, maybe if I maybe if I knew you a bit for like <laughs> ten minutes, so we could do that. But I've only known you for like thirty seconds, so exactly. we need to progress further down the relationship than than that yeah. to do but this in, in that exhibitionism. Book, in, <laughs> exactly. In that book, it mentions that the whole rear projection thing was kind of a practical thing because they did wanted to have that option to do that. They don't they don't really get like too detailed about the meaning behind it. Yeah. But it doesn't seem that. Yeah, De Palma was fully aware that it would look so distracting, because I think he right. uses he uses it when Jake is driving as well, and I think it's much less distracting. But that's there. that's really funny as well. It's like... quite funny as well, but it's not distracting in the same way because like when when they start embracing, I, th I think it's just like it's not yeah. it's not distracting. I I find it amusing. Like when he that cuts to that shot where he's like 
you know driving to see his girlfriend yeah. after leaving so set even though there's, there's something very self-conscious like he's just you know had this like you start from the beginning of the film like the first thing is hit like the palmer setting up this kind of scary vampire sequence and then the first thing when he like kind of screams it's both kind of like a shock but it's also like hilarious because yeah. it's just so his performance is so kind of exaggerated and just all from that like he kind of leaves to get in the car and it's he's kind of walking like he's sad because he's been chucked out of the film then he's like oh fuck it i'm gonna get over it and then he kind of so smiles funny. and jumps in the car and then it cuts to that big shot of him like really happy suddenly <laughs> in the, with the back projection um and, and also the hot dog i find stand. it funny and i think i i, I i'm sure it's a joke like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's also the shot on that really weird, suggestive hot dog stand. Yeah, exactly. Like, with yeah. the big sauce, and then he turns around, you see it's a hot, and he's like ordering. Yeah, and the guy's sandwiches. like, either the girl or the guy is feeding the other person a hot dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, there's gotta be, there's gotta be some self awareness there. I refuse to believe yes. he didn't realize. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's but delightful. I think I just think that he's, I think because Body Double was the film of his where people accused him of going too far like and I think he was trying to go too far mm. but I think just after like you know because we discussed before the before this podcast we discussed Carrie briefly um and in that film like particularly the prom sequence it's both kind of very suspenseful and, and what have you but it's also kind of self-aware nature of it but I think just by this point he's probably been doing this so long and he's been pushing the boundaries with every film that he's just like, well, they're just going to like, doesn't matter how <laughs> ex extreme it gets, they're going to go with me. And then he finally realized that he did, he did push it a bit too far this time. Yeah, um, that makes sense. That's probably it. Yeah. So. I, before we end, I know what I was going to say now, because I had a few notes, because um, going to the extent of my De Palma um, pathology, or like, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's not so bad now. Like I actually hadn't watched a lot of his films for a while, but there was a time in my like 20s when people were like just please just stop talking about brian de palmer and just it was almost like a joke in my film class that it's like what 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 is your thing with brian de palmer um but I kind of woke up yesterday and we couldn't really do anything because it was just pissing down with rain all day mm. um so i was kind of like hinting not hinting i was kind of suggesting to alice because i was i've because of both this podcast and something we're doing on our, on on my channel that um I've kind of gone back into the, the Palmer hole and I was trying to say, yeah, we could just, why don't we just, um, you know, just hang around and, and watch the Palmer films. <laughs> and she just said like, yeah, like if, if it's your idea to, you know, spend the rainy afternoon, just sitting around, you know, all day watching the Palmer films, I'm not doing it. Like <laughs> you're saying that, um, yeah, you see, you see everything with your rose tinted De Palmer glasses. Um, <laughs> <laughs> are they rose tinted the De Palma glasses apparently yeah apparently I just I can't judge his films um objectively it's just like I'm just a stan although I I'm so far in the hole that I was even watching Bonfire the Vanities um yesterday and that still film definitely is not very good right I still um, haven't seen that one and I didn't think much of his last one either Domino um, I saw that no. but yeah. pretty much everything else I'll defend even wise guys so yeah <laughs> I, I haven't seen that one yet but yeah, yeah. it's it's not i mean it's a kind of very light kind of gangster comedy but it's not it kind of works for what it is whereas bonfire vanity just doesn't seem to um 
Pauline Kael's review is great. She kind of like really gets, you know, that it's a film that just, it's a film that's made with someone that, um, it, it like it can only be so bad because someone great is just, yeah. Trying. Driving off a cliff, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, just has some so very bad. bad ideas yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right well and uh so again if people want to see more of your work uh the discarded image on youtube where Correct. they will see soon see the latest video we worked on together yes and, um, we're starting a new series on um, do you want to say it? uh yeah we're starting a new series on on new hollywood um so we're going to go through um a lot of the major staples of that 70s or late 60s 70s and just about 80s era mm -hmm. and there might be a De Palma film it's probably quite likely there's going to be a De Palma film um, do you think yeah, yeah but yeah. which one is the question thanks for listening to or watching this episode of you gotta act if you wish to know in advance who our next guest will be and ask them a question become a friend of you gotta act on patreon see you next time